0: You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hey guys, Basil Gordon here. Welcome to another episode of Rewind with Besa Today I have another very special guest with me. I'm going to try to do as many uh, people that are running for council this year because it's not something that I feel that we do enough in radio. We all have different audiences and if you ask me, it's very important for you guys to not only know about, you know, what Rihanna's performing at the Super Bowl, but also the things that are happening literally in your backyard. So today we are interviewing Joy Hollingsworth who is actually running for District 3 which is an area that some of you may or may not know. I actually grew up in, okay. We're gonna bring her in right after this intro. Hello, Joy. Hello, Besa. How are you? I'm not too shabby. Not too shabby. Good. How are you? I'm
1: good. I'm good. I'm happy. It's Tuesday. Happy to be alive. It doesn't feel like a Tuesday.
0: I'm not gonna hold you. It definitely feels like a Wednesday. Does it? Yeah. Maybe. Like, I don't know why. Like, I just feel like I should be halfway done with the week for some reason. Right. Right. <laughs> you have so much
1: that you've done always. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, damn. I still have more days. <laughs> I guess so. Um, so question you know when i found out that you were running for a city council for district three i thought that was super dope one because i actually have another show that i'm working on that i wanted to interview you for so like the reach out was already going to happen but then i was like well shoot if she's running for district three which is in the cd that's Capitol Hill. like we definitely have to talk about this along with the different plans that you have um for starters there's actually something that literally just popped up while i was sitting here um King County Council votes to put tax funding crisis centers on April ballot. Did you see that? I did. I saw
1: that. I saw that. I think that's that's beautiful because we need to start centering our mental health. Yeah. For sure.
0: I thought it was super dope because what I also noticed about it is that basically if it's approved by voters, the levy would raise um, as much as $1.25 billion over nine years to fund construction of five uh, 24-7 crisis uh, care centers in different parts of the county to serve people with mental health and sub, uh, substance abuse, use disorder needs, and also people would be able to stay there for up to 24 hours before being discharged or referred to other services. And so I kind of wanted to talk to you about um, that and your thoughts on that and just also your personal plans for what you would want um, these care centers to look like, because I think it's something that we really need everywhere. Like we have a lot of homelessness, but then a lot of times and, you know, I was talking to Grimaya about this early, uh, a couple of days ago. I feel like a lot of times when people are homeless, that's kind of when you're able to just get into doing a lot of things. You don't really have a lot of resources. And then sometimes you're going to do drugs. So where you can just forget the things that you're even dealing with right now. Right. So do you like have any like plans within like your plans for if you were to actually be elected for these things outside of that, of course?
1: No, absolutely. I think community wellness is what I like to call it because it's so important for us to center number one, our mental health. We saw during the pandemic Uh, We saw a lot of things, uh, people falling through the gaps. We saw our kids, uh, you know, doing school online, not having that connection with people. Mm -hmm. We saw our nurses and our EMTs and our doctors be on the front line of COVID. We saw our social workers be pushed to the max and them trying to get resources to families. And so it was it was really um, it was really I'm fortunate to see a lot of the things that were going on during this time. And we definitely have to center our mental wellness and our mental health and be able to, you know, restore some of that positivity um, with 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 care, with uh, people that are, you know, um, qualified to be able to navigate. That is huge, hugely important. And it's definitely one of our platforms that, you know, we we want to go into.
0: Let me also uh, ask you this. How does uh, Joy protect her mental health these days? Yeah, that's a great
1: question. Music. I think music is everything. Music is life. Music is fuel. It is medicine. So I just go on and I listen to a bunch of amazing Stevie Wonder, Jill Scott, Anita Baker. I'm a little old school, right? Erica Badu.
0: Something vibey.
1: Moonchild, right? I kind of just get into that zone for mental health. I also don't read the comments online from stuff. Yeah, I try to stay off social media as much as possible, Uh, even though when you're running for office, you have to be on there. But, you know, sometimes you got to give social media a break uh, because I'm really into the connection one on one with people having that conversation face to face. And that's really how I protect my just staying grounded in peace.
0: You know, what's so crazy about that. I've gone through uh, different comment sections on, like, say the shade room or whatever. And I'll like read I'll like look at what the post is and I'm like. I wonder what these comments are looking like. And so then you scroll through the comments, you're like, whew, that was bad energy. Right. Let me try something else on. Right. Do you ever feel like sometimes, and this is such a random question, but I personally can, when you read negative comments, like you can feel the energy that they like put out in that comments where you're just like, you know what? I need to like, recenter myself
1: yeah sometimes you have to disconnect to you know self-preserve yeah and so i'm always doing that and that's why i kind of stay away from that because i know the the platform we're running on the the positivity the people the love the support you got to stay grounded in that and protect and you got to protect your peace
0: This is very true. Now, one thing I will also say is, you know, we were talking about how we, you know, I also grew up in the city, although I moved out. But, you know, I'm back in Seattle, so, you know, I'm kind of close again. Um, It's changed a lot over the years. But the thing is, I feel that people that are just moving here, they don't understand what we mean when we say it's changed a lot. And they're like, oh, it's being rebuilt and people are coming back. And it's like, yes, but it's still not the same, you know, as someone that has lived there. And you're like, what, a third generation in the Central District right Right, now, right? Correct. What would you say is something that you miss most about the way it was when you grew up? Yeah, I think one of the
1: things I miss most, a couple things. Uh, the community piece. Uh, we knew the next door neighbor. I knew my friend, my best friend lived next door. We'd walk to school, to Meany Middle School every day together. I went to Meany. Oh, I went to Meany too. There you go. And were we the Jaguars? I think okay. so. Something like that. Um, but just had just that community connection. Also, I also miss the mom and pop own businesses, mm-hmm. right? Where you would go and you knew where you got your hair done. D. Charlene, you go down the corner, you know, you went to the the uh, convenience store. You just knew the businesses yeah. and, and they always reinvested right back into community. And then the other piece is the culture. Mm-hmm. I miss the richness of the culture, going to different, you know, sport games or events, yeah. uh, Garfield Community Center. I just really miss that a lot. And I know we're trying to build it back, uh, Africa Down's doing some great things. King County Equity Now. We have the Liberty Bank building. There's a lot of black businesses that are coming back. True. But that's that's
0: one of the things that, that I miss. Do you feel like, um, because it, it is possible to rebuild that, but obviously it, we have so many new people here that it's never necessarily going to feel the same because- I think for us, these were people that we actually grew up around, not just, oh, yeah, I just happen to know my neighbor. There was even like one guy at Red Apple. I don't remember his name, but I knew who he was and he knew who I was. And I was like seven. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it was like he, he and my mom and me, we would always like joke around when we were checking out. Do you do you think that we would be able to really get close to that? Like, and if so, how close or would it be more so of just more things like we're doing right now, like Black Wall Street last summer? I thought that was an absolute vibe. And frankly, it reminded me of what we used to do when I grew up on 19th and Cherry. And they would literally be a block party.
1: Right. Black Wall Street. uh, You know, you have the Juckins things going on at Juckins. I know that the museum does events now. Um, I think it can come back and I'm hoping that it can come back through some affordable housing options. Uh, There's a a program called Homesite, which is uh, basically it's called High Neighbor. It's through Sam Smith. He was the first black city council member Mm -hmm. of Seattle. And it took him four times to dismantle systemic racism to be able for, um, you know, equality for housing for black people to be able to buy homes. Mm -hmm. And so there's a program where they give a down payment assistant for you to go ahead and buy a home generational wealth. We talk about black home ownership in the Central District was so important. Um, And so some of these ways in programming, we can be able to figure out how a lot of people who were displaced Mm -hmm. can come back to the Central District. But also, how do we keep people that are in their homes as well right now to be able to absorb and understand and navigate, you know, a lot of the newness and growth around them? You know, I think that's important as well.
0: And, you know, also, I I also love that they're helping people with the down payment. But I also think that education piece is sometimes missing, like people don't necessarily know how to upkeep their home or they don't know where to start with upkeeping the home or maybe, you know, they fill out their loan incorrectly. Like sometimes I just feel like within the black community, there's like all of these little missing pieces to where it's like I have this, but I don't have that. So then everything is all lopsided.
1: Right. No, absolutely. Education and engagement is huge and also be able to have the funding sources so a couple years ago we worked on the community reinvestment piece that uses cannabis tax dollars we're taxed at 37 percent; it's the highest in the nation that goes into a cannabis appropriation fund in those funds about a certain amount a percent goes into the general fund those funds have been moved into the community reinvestment piece that goes through the department of equity and with Dr. J and then uh, Department of Commerce to be able to funnel back into disproportionately impacted areas, uh, particularly that were targeted for the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful, like restorative justice piece where that can come down every year, be able to go in those programmings, down payments, home ownership, different ideas for people. And then the education piece is going to be important as well.
0: Yeah, that would be sold. I would, I'm would. i not even going to hold you. I'm not the type that necessarily wants a house, but if I were to buy a house, I would definitely want to resell my oats back in the Central District. Like, that's
1: where I started! Yes. I want to go back! And not everybody wants to buy a house, and that's cool, yeah. right? You could do that, or, you know, have a apartment, affordable uh, apartment, maybe a condo, mm-hmm. you know, something of that nature, whatever it is, but just different pathways for people to come back, I think is important.
0: Now, and speaking of affordable housing, how do you feel about uh, I-135?
1: Yeah, fully supported. Um, It's a yes. It's also a yes and want to be able to fund other programs that support different types of permanent supportive housing for people um, that are experiencing homelessness. A lot of times when we look, um, we've been exposed to people experiencing homelessness that is right here in front of our face, Mm -hmm. but we don't see the invisible people that are um, invisible uh, right now, where they're uh, in—you know—cars. They're sleeping in cars. They're on people's sofas. They are navigating the school, the Seattle public school system. There's a ton of of children that are experiencing homelessness. We don't see them. And so, if you have permanent supportive housing for those um, those people experiencing homelessness, it would be huge because you have wraparound services to help them continue uh, the stability.
0: And, you know, speaking of stability, what do you think and or do you like have any thoughts on programs that could be created to more so help people that have been incarcerated but want to do better? Like I know some people to where it's like, you know, they have good job skills, you know, they've tried to fix themselves up, but then they're only able to work somewhere for so long because then that background check comes in. They're like, look, I really like you. I want you to be here. I can see that you're trying to change your life around. I don't know what's going to happen once this background check comes in and then the background check check comes in and you know, they're all excited. They got this new job and then they lose it. And a lot of times they just get beat down after that. Yeah, it's tough. Um,
1: You know, I have personal experience just having some family members that were incarcerated. And if you don't have family, when you come out, it is really hard for you to navigate certain things. And I just had a couple friends who um, were incarcerated for a good amount of their adult life who've been released about a year ago. And it's hard for them to figure out how they navigate and fit in because the world has changed so much significantly. Mm-hmm. And so there are some programs where it helps people get engaged and connected. Um, but I think the the biggest thing and I think Washington and I hope I'm not misspe- misspeaking about the background um, that there's a, a piece where if you check the, the box, it says criminal background check that that isn't a deterrent for you to be able to get mm-hmm. certain employment depending on where you're at. Um, but that's one thing that we need to consider as well um, for people to be able
0: to reestablish themselves in society. And, you know, also with society, society, um, food is mad expensive these days. And I was watching a presentation that you recently did where you talked about like the age of farmers. They're getting older. You know, people aren't, you know, really starting at a young age. Like people are really starting at the age of 35, which, again, pretty soon they're going to get older very, very fast. Um, Do you have any plans to inspire this next generation of teens, you know, whatever, to become farmers? Because, yeah, it's real expensive in these stores. It's huge. So just to put in perspective, inflation
1: and food costs have gone up significantly between 11 and 15 percent. That's a lot. You hear stories about people going into Mexico and buying eggs and bringing them back into California just because of how expensive food is. Wow! And the average age of the farmer is 59 years old in in the United States. And one of the things um, that I always talk about is um, how we need to get back to growing, growing food, food sovereignty, food justice, uh, food is, is going to be huge in the United States, and I think what we've seen with climate change, with the drought, you know, um, the, the United Nations projects that we need to grow 50% more food by 2050, that's a lot mm-hmm. for our world. And so we get a lot of our food, whether it be from California, South America, Mexico, we need to continue to figure out how we localize our food sources and how we urbanize our food sources, urban gardens, vertical gardens, like different ideas in which we can eliminate a a large part of the uh, carbon footprint that Mm -hmm. happens when we get, um, you know, food year round in a grocery store.
0: Yeah. And then one of the things that I thought was really interesting that you talked about in that presentation was what is it like a gallon of water to grow one almond or something? Yeah, And it's it's like all the water that's put into like our our, our coffee and then like the beef. And it's like, no, it's not just the amount of water that you needed to make this coffee. It's the amount of water that was put into these beans to even allow you to make this coffee.
1: Right. And then you don't even think about the transportation costs it Mm. takes to get from where it's grown to where we're at now. And I think one thing we don't realize, you can walk into any grocery store and get any fruit year round. That doesn't happen any other place. Mm. You know, that's really that's really um, it's 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 very interesting to be able to see that. And so we have to figure out how we localize our food sources and have food access points for people because food is a right. Everyone deserves the right to fresh food.
0: Mm-hmm. And then also um, to where they don't have to only be in a certain area to get it because sometimes that part is unfortunate to where maybe your area, they have these food sources, but maybe it's depleted. Maybe I need to go a little further out in order to get it. But then all of a sudden, oh, you don't live in this area. Now you can't come get this food. Oh, for sure. If you look at South Seattle and just think of um, think of
1: I-90 and go South, they only have one food bank. That is mm. the Rainier Valley Food Bank. If you go anywhere north, you see, or even the central district, there are a ton of food access points. That needs to change, that's by design. That is through redlining, that's by city design. And so what we saw during the pandemic is a lot of these organizations and groups and communities were Mm -hmm. falling through the gap through the emergency food system. And so we need to figure out how we continue to push the envelope of having more grocery stores in close places, food access points, um, how are we lowering the the costs and the barriers to food, and and uh, supporting our our food banks as well?
0: And you know, you you brought up redlining, and I'm curious to know with the redlining, there's parts of it that says no food banks in this area too. Um, it's it's not necessarily that, but um, you know, when
1: they're designing and figuring out where funding goes, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes they'll uh, say like a zip code. They do it by zip code. Mm-hmm. And so if you do it by zip code, like 98118 zip code is a tremendous amount of people. That's Beacon Hill, that's South Seattle, that's kind of going up Skyway a little bit, Upper Rainier Beach. Um, you know, they they design it like that. And so, um, you know, we need more food access points, particularly in the South End.
0: Wow. Now, and so that obviously would come from funding, which is probably why a lot of the times it's actual community people coming together and going to the grocery stores and taking their own money. And I can't remember who you said it was, but there was um, a Latinx organization, I want to say that you said it was, and they would go around and drop off food like along the freeway or something like that. Oh yeah, they were um, Culturas Unidas. Mm -hmm. And what they
1: would do is they would go, they, gleaning, food gleaning is basically when you go to a grocery store and you rescue the food before it's thrown away. Perfectly good food. So they would go, this gentleman named DJ, shout out DJ, phenomenal dude. He would go to different grocery stores in a huge semi truck and just go gleaning off of different grocery stores. And then they would go ahead and put out the word to different people, um, particularly the people who were uh, didn't have an ID. Maybe mm-hmm. they were undocumented. A lot, a lot of the people that are picking our food or growing our food are closest to food insecurity. And so he would service those communities and go up along I-5, go in different parking lots and just have a food access market where it was a free grocery store for people. Wow. And it was, it was life-saving, changing for people.
0: Oh my goodness, that is definitely something that people need. Heck, even I could use like free food from time to time. I mean, food is expensive. It's very expensive. You know what I mean? It's like no one wants to necessarily be like, oh yeah, I can't afford this. Like, yes, we can. But everyone can use a little extra bread from time to time. That way you can use your money for something else. Um, what Question. One, how... How hopeful are you that we are going to be able to get the food crisis out here a little bit more under control?
1: I'm hopeful. And the reason why is because um, working in the space that I do, there are phenomenal minds who are at the forefront in figuring out how we solve some of this. So, you know, figuring out doing using electric vehicles, right, Uh, electric trucks, figuring out how we lower the barriers to access food, meaning no ID, no a light bill to show that you live in a certain zip code, just kind of having that free access to food, um, you know, erasing some of the stigmas mm-hmm. of food insecurity. I don't know if anyone's ever gone to Ballard Food Bank, but it looks like a new PCC. Like it's a what? very amazingly designed or bird bar, you know, up on, on on the hill in in the Central District. They have a phenomenal market and it looks amazing. And so we're trying to shift people's perspective of what a food bank, could be mm-hmm. of a, a market.
0: I'm actually not mad at that because, you know, honestly, I, you know, growing up when you think food bank, you think you're going into like this, basically like in a room and everyone's in a line, everyone has their bags, very unglamorous, if you yeah. will. <laughs> um, but I think to make it look more like comfortable to where it's like, okay, I know this isn't really a grocery store, but this is basically a grocery store. I think people would feel I don't know, maybe even more inclined to donate and put something towards it to help the next person. Absolutely. It's like a dignity, serving
1: people with dignity, making the space uh, beautiful where Mm -hmm. people feel like, you know, it's not leftover food. Like this is good food that nourishes you. People are going to take care of things that nourishes them. And so when you have these nice spaces, they're going to make sure that it's well stocked and 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 it continues to be these uh, community spaces.
0: And then also like one more thing on food. If we have to grow an additional 50% of food that quickly, obviously we need more growers. How hard do you think is going to be to make farming quote unquote cool? Because I feel like that's what needs to happen for more youth to do it to where it's like, why would I want to do that? I can just go here and get my food, but it's like pretty soon we're going to have a huge uh, food issue, especially after the pandemic, or shall I say during the pandemic when they had all that food destroyed, I feel like we're still suffering from that a little bit. We are, you saw a lot of manufacturers
1: go down in their skews about, about how many products that they produce. So maybe a manufacturer would produce 30 uh, different products. Now mm-hmm. they only do 10, right? Wow. Or five, it just really depends. I think the one thing that we have to do is engage our youth at an early age, showing them what food is, How to germinate a seed, how plants grow, just getting them connected and engaged and showing them how cool it is. Because I think being a farmer is really, really cool. You know, you get to be connected to the earth. You get to grow something with your hands. You get to do something where you get to learn. Being a farmer is like one of the hardest jobs on the planet. And I think if we can engage our youth at a younger age, that's going to be key.
0: Now, some of your other values uh, in terms of things that you really want to work on is making the area safer. Yeah. Do you have any like concrete plans for that or even feedback from what people in the area actually want?
1: Yeah. Talking to District three residents, um, they think and they feel like uh, safety is a holistic approach. So when we think about safety, it's not um, just a certain type of um, safety is like EMTs, fire. It's do we have enough food access points? Do people have housing? Do they have, do they feel safe in their area when they're walking down the street? Mm-hmm. Um, is the lighting correct, right? Do we have uh, sidewalks that are safe? And then also comes, we know that there have been disproportionately impacted areas uh, with policing. And so that's going to be a big thing. There has to be some, um, you know, restorative relationships there that has to be engaged in some aspect. And we have to center that type of, you um, that we have to center um you know that relationship where people understand there have been harms done. Mm-hmm. that's really important, and it has to be a earned type of trust um, and engaging in that where you have to have the guardian mentality and not the warrior mentality mentality. and so that's going to be one thing that um, you know I would love to help figure out how we do that because we have a lot of people um, we hear from community that you know feel they want to feel safe,
0: yeah. And like, even with me, I had to. This is so crazy. I was going to uh, Xfinity because my phone broke. And. It, it was just like a glowing screen I couldn't use the phone I didn't have another phone that I could use and so in my head I'm like it is 6 o'clock at night I'm about to be walking around downtown Seattle with no phone and when I tell you I like basically like hurried there and hurried back but then I had to think about it I'm like why, why would I be so worried because growing up you know especially like you know now I live downtown but growing up in the CD, me and my friends we'd play outside by ourselves not a worry in the like, just not worried about anything. Our parents aren't worried about anything. Like, we all were safe. And, you know, like you've said many times growing up, you actually knew the police officers that were in your areas. Like, you knew some of the people that worked in 911. Um, how difficult do you think it would be to make sure all of the police in that district start, met, you know, meeting the different people that work in the areas that they have to patrol?
1: Right. It's it's about police accountability. You know, it's about um, holding people accountable. It's about, um, you know, is the community going to receive Mm. them? Are they going to be open to that? Right. Um, It's about relationships. It's about, uh, you know, the way people interact with people. It's about how they um, how they, you know, really uh, connect with the neighborhood and know the business owners. You know, we keep our community safe. When we talk about how we knew folks, mm-hmm. that's because if you were out misbehaving, grandmama down the street was going to call your mom and yep. tell you, hey, such and such is acting up. Is she down here? Come get her. Right. And so we keep our communities safe. Um, but we also know that there's that other piece of, you know, um, um, the the police department. And so, you know, how do all these marry together? Right. And connect and, and figure out how we all keep our communities safe.
0: What I do really love about the way that your campaign and the way that it seems you're building it is you really are building it through community and what community really wants to where it's like okay I know you guys all can't come with me to the board meeting but we're going to have a meeting I'm going to take my notes what do what do I need to what do I need to address this week fam yeah that's huge
1: look we're about building community and I will hit that I will continue to talk about that we are about the people mm-hmm. and I think What's important from that is I'm just trying to be a community servant and I love our community. I wanna see it do better. I want us to be better. And I, you can't build policy without knowing people mm-hmm. because then you're gonna put forth whatever policy you think is right. Exactly. You have to understand what community solutions are, but you gotta know people first to put forth good policy. It comes from the people. And so I just want to be a bridge for transparent access to our younger mm-hmm. uh, Gen Zs and our younger millennials to show them how government works. And then I want to also let government know that, hey, we have to move with a sense of urgency because the system has not caught up with the people yet. Yeah, And so we have to figure out what's a good balance there because Gen Zs and millennials are going to be the majority voters here pretty soon. And so they have to start engaging these young folks into the belly, the operation, the inner workings of government so we can start working for the people.
0: I love that. And uh, last question, if you could put a community center anywhere within your district, where would it be and what would you say would be the focal point of that community center? Easy.
1: It would be uh, the SVI building. Right. And returning that into a trade school Mm. for our young folks to be able to figure out different trade ideas that they wanted to do. Right. Whether it was. Um, you know, construction, whether it was if they're dental hygienists, that yeah. building was on and popping back in the day. And I know a lot of people that went through SVI, Seattle Vocational Institute, for those people who don't know, but that was... That <laughs> we was, got a lot of newbies out here. My <laughs> bad. That was the building. Um, but it also, I will say this, I also would marry it to a community center that would also have access for sports because I'm a sports... Like I love sports, but I think we already have enough of community centers that have basketball courts, just more access time Mm -hmm. for for people. Um, But it would definitely be a community center that would engage our youth to get off the phone, off the screen and engage with each other and connect, get off social media, come into the SVI building, learn how to change a, a tire, learn how to do something with your hands and engage them in that way, because that's how you stimulate their minds.
0: I freaking love that. And I absolutely agree. I always tell people I built my first computer when I was in fifth grade it's over wild. at Roy, Rotary. Um, I want to say his name was Nick. He was teaching the class along with my auntie Bernita. Um, and we built computers and, you know, they would teach us like just different ways to use yeah. our computer. And then, you know, it was like, yeah, you can buy a computer, but if you need this much RAM and you need that much and it's cheaper to do it this way. And I'm like, OK, but. I don't really I'm pretty sure that there are programs like that out here still, but I don't necessarily know if they're a thousand percent being put to the forefront with people that look like me and like little girls that grew up looking like me. Yeah,
1: it's huge. We need we need to have those programs, you know, shout out to Technology Access Foundation. That's huge. You know, Trish DeZico, the executive director, phenomenal. We know we have the William Gross Center with Africatown and that's going to be a place for youth to come. We need to start funneling resources to those programs that are engaging youth uh, for technology for mm-hmm. you know, learning how to build skills. We have to continue to to connect with those.
0: I agree. I agree. Especially if we can have it in our regular schools. Like one of the reasons why uh, I wanted to go to Cleveland before I even went there when I was in middle school was because they had tech there. Like they had a whole tech program for people to learn tech. And then by the time I got there, it was gone. But I was like, even even in eighth grade, I was yep. like, what kind of ma- why would you remove that?
1: <laughs> right. Cleveland was a STEM school. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That was huge. That was like um, Meany at the time was a magnet school when I went there, you know, and they were trying to teach new. I had choir. I learned photography while I was there. See, I had choir in Meany, Mr. Bears. Um, we had uh, art class. You know, we had all that we had play, like we had all these arts and culture things, which are so important. And a whole community center right behind the school. Right. Miller, mm-hmm. you know, with tennis courts and a play field. Now it's a beautiful uh, play field that's been turfed. So it's no more grass. It got nice turf uh, and 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 spotlight lights where it can stay open till you know, certain amount of time. I think Seattle parks have to turn it off at a certain time. But
0: yeah, it was it, it, we had good times. So, OK, nine randoms with Besa. Not right. Six randoms with BASA. They're never bad. They're usually really fun. Well, they're always pretty fun. But let's go. Okay. Number one, if someone gave you a billion dollars and you were voted in office, what is the first thing you're doing? A billion dollars.
1: First thing I'm voted in office, uh, setting up a foundation to figure out how we, um, setting up a foundation to figure out how we donate and um, connect with homes, housing. home ownership for people, um, sports programs. I mean, we'd figure out a whole slew of different things that we would would do, but it would definitely figure out how we uh, pass it forward.
0: What's one thing that you want to do for the uh, marijuana industry if you are elected?
1: Yeah, I think one thing is um, getting more people that look like me into the industry and um, hopefully giving them an opportunity where it's representation, where they see, hey, it can be done. And so, um, yeah, one of the things would be that restorative justice piece where you're using those cannabis tax dollars to reinvest in community. I think that's the one of the things we're most proud of, Mm -hmm. uh, creating that generational wealth for people.
0: What is your favorite place to eat at in the Central District?
1: Yeah, I got a couple because I just love food. List them out. Okay. We so all love food around here. I know. so I love, leave here. I <laughs> love the cornbread at Communion. I go to Central Juice Cafe for the vegan burrito. Um, I love the um, pho on 15th at Bamboo, mm. which is really, really good. I go to Arayas for vegan food, which is Thai food, down in kind of Madison Park area. Um, there's a ton of—my uh, mom loves Catfish
0: Corner, you know, like— just a bunch of spots what is some advice for someone like me that does not have a green thumb trust me <laughs> good there's a specific plant that I that is no longer living and so I was like how did that happen i said look i'm good at what i'm good at okay you're good <laughs> what advice do you have for me starting a garden within my apartment
1: yeah, that's a good. Well, head to uh, is it called Bush, Bush, Bo- Boosh, Boosh. It's a plant store, black owned uh, on Jackson on Twenty Third and Jackson. Um, get some plants. I think the biggest thing um, you could probably do is get one plant, mm-hmm. just one, an indoor plant. You can get any one, okay? And um, name it something. So you got to name it. So you don't want to kill it because <laughs> now got, it has a name. Yay, now it has a name. Now you feel like it's a part of you. And read up on the plant and figure out, OK, this is how I'm going to take care of it. This is how I'm going to nurture it. And just like show it love, learn about it, figure yeah. out what it, you know, put in the sunlight, talk to it. Plants are energy. I might sound crazy, but plants are people. I've heard
0: that you got like you have to talk to them and you some people dance them. with
1: them. You got to talk to them. You got to nurture them. You got to love them. I got a Japanese maple tree in my backyard. I call him Hero. He's my favorite. Um, and when Hero kind of wilted, I was crying like I was inside. I was sad,
0: but he's back
1: to he's good now. He's good now.
0: Oh, my goodness. OK, uh, adding on to that, how would you recommend doing spices in your home?
1: Spices. Like growing them. Growing spices like um, different types of uh, yeah, or herbs. Or more like herbs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Herbs. Okay, so the coolest thing I like to do, um, I like to do it hydroponically. So you ever see those things where they sit on your table and they don't take any soil? Or like dirt? water or something? Yeah, it's just yeah. water and nutrients and you can grow basil, you grow mint. I think everyone, if they had the opportunity to grow their own mint, basil, those are things you shouldn't, you know, don't have to buy at the store. You can grow them yourself and it's kind of cool to be able just to take them off the plant and throw them in your dish. This
0: sounds like an Amazon trip.
1: it's random you can do it or you can grow it in a plot with dirt you can do that as well on your back you know on your patio or in your
0: window kitchen window anything interesting okay Uh, what is one guilty pleasure show of yours Uh, 90 Day Fiance (laughs) it's the best show ever (laughs) oh my goodness I love it okay one misconception about working in the cannabis industry Um, uh, that
1: everyone is um, potheads that that's all they do. Uh, small business owners that just want to figure out how we navigate the industry. And um, we support a lot of the programs in Washington State with the tax dollars that are going into the cannabis appropriation funds, 50% of which go straight to Apple Care. Go check it out on the RCW. 50% of those funds go to AppleCare, which is really cool to know that we're helping fund healthcare. And then different
0: things. (sighs) I'm glad... When you said Apple Care, I'm like my phone insurance. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking about. And that's Apple. only because I literally had to use my Apple Care like two days ago. I didn't mean, I'm sorry, Apple Health. But I used yeah. to have Apple Health Care. So okay. Like, and I, I, it's actually really, really good. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, the Apple Health Care, well, not your iPhone, but the Apple <laughs> Health Care. Yes. I had a free psychiatrist and everything. Like, it was it was great. Yeah. I was like. I was like, the audacity. Yeah, you go look on the RCW, you can see where it went. That's dope, that's dope. Okay, and then uh, last question. What is uh, one thing that you definitely know for a fact will come back to the Central District once you're in there? That's a good question. Um, One thing that I definitely come back One thing I'd be
1: happy, I think we talked about it, is the SVI building, which would be huge. Are you talking about like maybe a building or a thing or people or an event?
0: You know what? Scratch that. What does it mean to be a voice for the LGBTQ plus community within our city council?
1: Yeah, it's huge because I see myself as representation of that, of a black female. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so important perspective when we're talking about different laws that surround themselves around equity. Or different laws or policies that you know we want to continue to push the envelope. Yeah. We also we have to have representation, and for me it means everything because um, being being able to you know offer that perspective and representation, um, I take that with honor and pride, and I understand the responsibility that comes with that. And so um, understanding that responsibility, you also understand you know what's at stake as well, mm-hmm. and I won't mess that up.
0: I know. That's right. Uh, Real quick, before I let you go, that is your direct camera. So if you want to say anything to your voters that you absolutely want for them to know about you, your campaign or what you will bring to the table.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate you. Um, Please follow us as we are connecting with community, building community, listening to people and listening, not just listening, but listening for understanding. You can go to www.joy4seattle or follow us at joy4seattle on Instagram. We want to hear from you. We want to talk to you. What are the issues you want to see and how can we continue to build community and put forth really, really good policies that make our community uh, fun, safe, well, just thriving so we can all we can all um, be a vibe. I know. Come
0: on, be a vibe. I know that's right. I'm going to have fun interviewing all of y'all this year. I feel like everyone that's running is like really, really cool. And there's like so many different like pockets yeah. to where it's like, what, is, what, what was the gramai? gramai is like District 2, yeah. you're district, district 3. Yeah. I'm trying to like interview someone that's running for District 1 next. Yeah, So I'm like, I, I just want to know what you guys have planned for the city because like I said earlier, it's so easy to be like, what's Rihanna performing at the Super Bowl? But then it's like, okay, but what about like the food crisis in your area? Like, yeah. when, when are we cleaning the sidewalks? You know what I mean? Like, right. how are we going to make this safer or even a better place for the next generation to where the next girl that wants to go to her high school for STEM the program doesn't get pulled you know what I mean like Absolutely. how can we create even like a, a sub option for them right. so yes so happy that we were able to have this conversation thank you I'm so happy that you came down here to talk with me thank you I appreciate Um, it you guys make sure you keep up with joy keep up with this election and also make sure that you keep up with everything that's going on in your area because my biggest worry sometimes is people being so consumed with all the other stuff that you wait till the last minute till you find out what's been going on and now it's too late or we have to wait a whole extra year to fix it okay so with that being said uh, look you guys until next time you already know what I'm gonna say make sure you have an amazing rest of your day. And of course, keep that energy high. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective. Praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents.